Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back. 1620 The Zone, 1620thezone.com and the Zone mobile app. Heading over to the arena here in a uh, couple of hours to get ready for basketball tonight. Thought get a little preview in with Matt DeMarinas, who isn't quite at the arena yet, right? Or are you there already? Not there yet. Not there yet. I might beat you there, though. Yeah, you'll beat me. You'll beat me tonight because I'm not doing the show from my jail cell up in the hockey press box. Yeah. You know those 8 o'clock tips. Oh, you love them. I'm a big fan. Yeah. I'm glad this is the last one at home mm. for this season. Not going to lie. I like the hockey press box. Well, I, I mean, yeah, it's just not very functional for doing a, a video show because it looks, it looks like horrible. In, looks like you're in a jail cell. Oh, really? Yeah. But that's well. At least they can see the murderers coming behind you, though. They can warn you. <laughs> that's you know? true. Someone was the there video, to stab the you. Video, they'll be the murderers, so you're not you're not as safe. Really. Fair point. Mm. Fair mm. point. Yeah. You know, Matt. Both teams could argue that the first game in Newark could have been won earlier than it was. What's your read on the rematch tonight? Well, I think they're right. Uh, that game definitely had. I mean, both teams had multiple chances to put it away um, long before it ended up being put away. So. Yeah, I mean, you're kind of going into that with that in your mind, right? How much of that plays out. But then, you know, certain factors are different, right? Creighton plays better at home, certainly of late they have. And then, you know, Seton Hall has not been the same team away from home, you know, whether it's on a neutral court or in a true road environment. So there's variables there that, you know, change the way I'm looking at this game, at least. But just in terms of personnel and, Everything that's controllable between the lines, I, I I have a hard time figuring out if we're if we're getting a, another one of those thrillers or not because you know Seton Hall has a lot of guys playing really well right now. You know Dre Davis is a matchup kind of nightmare for everybody. Uh, Jaden Bediaku is a really solid five, probably one of the more underrated fives in the conference when you look at his productivity on the offensive glass and defensively. Kadari Richmond, in terms of being a, you know, a head of a snake type guy in the league, I th- I think everybody would 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 take him. You know, he's one of those guys that's kind of up there, you know, in the Player of the Year conversation, first team All Big East conversation. He's you know he's been that good for them this year, and when you see the way they play without him, when he had to miss time versus when he's on the court. You can tell that. And then Alamir Dodds is kind of a microwave guy, you know. When he heats up, you can't really turn him off until he's done. So it's a, it's a fun matchup, you know, because they have a lot of weapons. I think they're, they're going to be hungry, too, because not only did Creighton beat them in their own gym, but, you know, they, they kind of have they're, – they're on shaky ground right now in terms of the NCAA tournament. So they still have more to kind of prove there with this remaining schedule they have. And knocking off Creighton is, uh, is something they kind of need to do right now. 
Matt, along those lines, I want to look back at Sunday and, and ask how much of that was hangover uh, from beating a number one team, how much of that was St. John's, because, you know, kind of like this one, the the first matchup was a, a close Creighton win, though that one didn't go to triple overtime. And, and there's, I guess, a part of me that's wondering if we could see something a bit similar tonight uh, based off of what happened that first time versus Seton Hall. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a polarizing topic. Because I think a lot of people think, you know, just I, I think it's an easy kind of narrative to say sure. that well, Creighton beat UConn and then they went in and lost the next game, so there was a letdown there. But I don't, I don't subscribe to that theory because I thought, I thought St. John's played really well, and I don't think I think it would have taken, you know, a really good effort on an execution standpoint on Creighton's part to win that game. So when that's the case, I don't necessarily feel like it's anything that Creighton did from an effort and engagement standpoint that wasn't there. I thought they were. How they were fine in that regard. I just thought St. John's executed better, especially down the stretch. They made the bigger plays when it was time to go win the game um, after creating a cut it to five. So, I mean, I credit St. John's for that entirely. Uh, and then in terms of how it translates to tonight, I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the thing with Creighton is they've been really good about moving on to the next one. Um, they've been good at that for a while, honestly. It's kind of one of Max, you know, more – Consistent traits is his ability to get a team to kind of wipe the slate clean and move on, whether it's a high or a low. Uh, I think we saw that, you know, with with the 2018-2019 uh, um, team. You know, there wasn't really you – could, you could go into practice that, you know, every single day and not know if they were coming off of a win or a loss. And that's a intentional trait that he tries to instill in his teams, and I think that's – I don't think we'll see carryover from St. John's to Seton Hall tonight. I think it's it's just the next game. The interesting thing is when you look at the numbers, Matt, and I'm looking at my buddy Bart right now, a lot of the offensive numbers, first game St. John's versus last Sunday against St. John's are, are very close. I mean, the three-point shooting is identical. You know, mm-hmm. the effective field goal percentage was actually a little bit better in the rematch than it was in the first game. The difference was St. John's was a lot more efficient on offense in the second game than they were in the first and made all of those mid-range shots. I mean, everything it seemed like everything that went up between the uh, elbows on the free throw line seemed to go in, uh, especially from uh, uh, Danis Jenkins, who just had a tremendous game versus the first game in Omaha where, you know, he was more of a volume scorer. Yeah, they were really good outside the paint, a lot more efficient than they were in Omaha. Him, honestly, not just Jenkins, but Jordan Dingle too. Yes. And then, um, the other, I guess the other factor that was different from game one to game two was I don't think St. John's was as good on the offensive glass in the first game as they were in the second. And that, and that comes with a little bit of a caveat because St. John's wasn't converting those second opportunities for in the game in MSG this weekend. But when, you know, it, it, it when St. John's can dominate the offensive glass like they did, especially in the second half, you take away Creighton's ability to get out in transition. And that was the biggest factor, I think, in this game because I think Creighton feels like they can get good shots against St. John's, and I think they feel like they did get good shots against St. John's. They just didn't hit them when they got them, and then the other part was they didn't get enough of them, of those opportunities because of the way St. John's rebounded on the offensive glass when they were missing those shots that Creighton was forcing them to take. So that's what I mean. Like there was, it was minimal things, like, but they added up. You know, it wasn't it wasn't a total domination by St. John's and a total lack of focus and effort on Creighton's part. St. John's was just a little bit better 
in the areas of the game that were going to decide it, and that's why they were able to pull away and win the game late. But um, yeah, defensive rebounding is kind of like the whole the whole bag for Creighton because they're not going to force turnovers. They're going to make you take the shots they want you to take. Uh, and the key for them winning that type of battle is the rebound on the defensive glass, get out and transition and run, and just you know beat you with an effective shot game kind of thing. So yeah, got a defensive rebound. Matt, at the end of January, early February, um, Baylor Shireman went on quite a heater, and a lot of people were having the discussion, John and I included, about Big East Player of the Year potential. Um, his efficiency has certainly dropped over the course of the last few games, and, and obviously the St. John's one was was one of the worst, if not maybe the worst of the season. Uh, he's turned the ball over quite a bit, too. What what do you think's going on with him in these recent games? Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I think he. I think he stepped out of bounds on two occasions against St. John's, and then traveled on a baseline out of bounds layup under the basket for his third. So I'm trying to think if he had what his other two were, but those aren't really like you know, um, I guess boneheaded plays, if mm-hmm. you will. They're kind of just like you know, they're 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 kind of accidents, I guess. Um, so I don't think he's. I don't think anything's gone. Haywire in that regard. Um, St. John certainly has a lot of, pre- you know, brings a lot of pressure. They're, they're really physical defensively, so you kind of get a little bit sped up, and that probably, you know, leads to some of that kind of stuff. I think, uh, yeah, I think it's a blip more than a, more than a trend, I guess, because uh, I haven't noticed anything too out of whack that he's doing to, I guess, ratchet up his production to enhance his player of the year status or not. I think he's still playing the same type of game he's playing. I think just shots haven't fallen for him. The ones that he normally hits haven't fallen for him. And then in terms of the five turnovers, I think a few of them were just a little bit uncharacteristic, um, uncharacteristic just mistake that didn't come from him trying to force the issue. It just happened, you know. Matt DeMarinas, White and Blue Review. Is there a time frame regarding this whole contract conversation in which this needs to be kind of buttoned up before your radar starts going off about a possibility that Mac may not be back? I think that's interesting that you assume my radar isn't already going off. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I guess yeah. more more from the standpoint of, of you know, this, this tells me he's not coming back. Because uh, right now I sense that you're kind of 50-50. Yeah, I definitely am. Um I haven't thought about if there's – I just don't know if there's a right time where it needs to be done or not because I think I think there's a lot of factors involved. One, one is just the Creighton side of it. Like, can, can Mac and Creighton work something out on that end of it? The other part of it is, you know, is Mac weighing his options versus what he could get at Creighton. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. not just money-wise, but situation-wise, you know? Um, so I don't know how those factors are going to play into each other and what, if there's a timeline that I think it needs to be done at, because I think this time of the year too, with the team they have, I don't know if he wants to spend a lot of time, a lot of his time focusing on that every single day, because it'll take away from, it'll start to take away from, you know, what they're doing on the court. And I don't think he wants to kind of squander that with the veteran, amount of veterans he has, the amount of talent he has on this team. You know, this is a big. This is time. That this is the time of the year to make the big push. You know, for that. You know, for that deep postseason run. So, if I know him like I think I do, I think he's just head down, 
you know, focus on the next objective and this stuff will, you know, work itself out in any kind of time frame, whether it's quick or not, when it's all said and done. Um, I know he's, I'm sure he has, you know, the variables in his mind and I'm sure, um, you know, he's not, he's, he's working through it, but I think a decision in terms of a timeline to make a decision or not will probably come after the season when it's all said and done because, yeah, he's got a wagon of a squad, and I don't think he wants to squander that opportunity. And it's not to say that this situation wouldn't have existed otherwise and that it already didn't exist, but yeah. the fact that Ohio State came open when it did kind of pushed everything up. It sped everything up a little bit, or at least it did publicly, maybe not mm-hmm. internally, but publicly it 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 gave it a sense of urgency and maybe exposed something that was already there, but just did it earlier than anticipated. I I completely agree. Cause I got asked that the other day if the Ohio State thing was kind of a a seed planted by you know Max side of things, and I don't think it was. I think it opening up allowed people to put dots together and just assume that okay, well Ohio State's going to go after you know X amount of candidates that are at you know power six level jobs, but don't have the resources that Ohio State does, right? So, like I said, the other part of this is that Mac isn't like, this isn't the first time he's been pursued. And it's not only Ohio State that's been pursuing him. So that's the yeah. other part of it, too, you know? Um, but, yeah, just uh, the, the the thing that really got ramped up is when Creighton beat UConn the way they did because then that kind of, like, shifted the spotlight to Creighton side of things. Like, hey, you know, um, you have a pretty good situation here. You might want to make sure it's solid on solid foundation. And the, obviously the fan base really uh, made pushes for that with, you know, emails and tweets and just general outcry for it. So the only thing that changed was the UConn win. I don't think the Ohio state job changed anything. I think it was, I think all of the things that are still happening behind the scenes were still happening behind the scenes, regardless of that, that job was going to be open eventually with the way it was trending. Um, and I think there are more jobs out there that are trending to be open as well. That could be, you know, factors in this conversation that aren't right now because they're still being, you know, they're still being coached by the current coach. So, yeah, I think the, I think the only thing that changed in terms of a variable that swung some momentum from a, from an outcry standpoint was the UConn win, not the Ohio State job. Hey, Matt, I want to ask you real quick before I let you go about the women's team. Um, we were both there for senior night last night. They, you know, run away and hide pretty much. And I guess I wonder how you're putting – this group into perspective given a couple of things. A, they could all, in theory, be back, and so we could be doing this again next year. Um, some could be back. None could be back. There's a world where that happens. But also, B, that like their legacy could also be affected a bit more by what happens over the next month. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you for not asking me to assess the Avery situation. I appreciate Whew. that. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's a really unique situation, but I... I think the best way to kind of encapsulate everything that's happening at Creighton right now is just to try to, and this is kind of like a, I don't know, a message to your listeners, I guess, who are interested, just kind of live in the moment because that's really what, I mean, that's really what's happening right now. It's like these, in in regards to these six seniors, you know, and the things they've done already. And I think don't focus too much on the looming decision. And that's the same with Mac. Don't focus on, too much about tomorrow and what could be and what might be because then you'll I think you'll miss the enjoyment of what's going on today and that's you know 
a pretty good thing to enjoy, I guess, um, to put it simply. But, I mean, their legacies are unprecedented in terms of what they've accomplished together and individually. And whether they come back or not, they're solidified. So I think right now, they have, I think they have a pretty good perspective on it. I, th- I also don't think that many of them are undecided right now. I just think they're kind of undeclared, if yes. you put it that way. Yeah. Um, so I think their point of view is like, hey, let's just, you know, put our heads down, stay day to day, focus on the next task at hand. And then when it's time to, you know, announce our plans, then, then it's time to announce the plans. But right now it's just about Seton Hall, the big tournament, NCAA tournament and making the most of what's left of this season and their time together. Because, yeah, like you said, it's, it's, it's hard to envision all six returning. Um, so the other part of it is, too, is that this, they know that this is their last opportunity to play together, and they don't really want to waste it by focusing on the wrong things. So um, that's kind of what this near future is about, um, as opposed to just, you know, getting their decisions over with, too. Because a, a lot of teams are facing this right now. I mean, you know, the big situation was Paige Becker's announcing for UConn that she's coming back, but mm-hmm. some of the teammates haven't made their decisions known yet either. So that affects things. Obviously, Caitlin Clark's decision. So there's a lot of prominent players in the sport right now that haven't declared what they're doing one way or the other. Um, so it'll be it'll make for an interesting April and May for sure. Matt DeMarinas, White and Blue Review. Matt, we'll see you tonight. Thanks again. Sounds good, boys. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Matt. Good advice. Live in the moment. I mean, it's all you can do, right? And these two teams, it's it's fun that their great runs have overlapped, you know, where Creighton, the men finally make the Sweet 16. Um, the women, they go to the Elite Eight. The men then, a couple years later, they make the Elite Eight, or the next season they make the Elite Eight. And, you know, now we know what's at stake for both of these teams going into this last month of the season. Uh, you know, it's been a real joy in my career getting to call so many of the games uh, for the Creighton women's basketball team. They are so much fun to watch, and at times they make it look very, very easy. Very, very easy. And just imagine how much less you would have enjoyed it if they played halves. I, w- I know. I would have hated it moping, so many free throws. moping around. And like, oh, God. Thank God for They're quarters. halves. Oh, I hate saying 16 minutes left in the game. It's I love so, it. It's so, so arduous. I mean, I do do that. I like adding. I'm a big fan of math. You I are of math. I like saying... The number of seconds that are left. Sometimes I'm like 86 seconds left in the Because game. you like countdowns. I'm very good at it, Nick. You're, I'm very. You're, you're a not, countdown sick. Honestly, I looked at the scoreboard last night, Nick, and I thought of you because very quickly I was like, yeah, they're up by 16. And I was like, man, I wonder how Nick would do doing analyst work as he tries to very quickly figure out what the score is. I would have a calculator. Nice. <laughs> Rob Sims, let me do a little math real fast. They're down by 15 right now, Rob. Oh, nope. Now it's. And he'd say, Nick, 20. I know. The score is 15 to nothing. I figured it out. <laughs> All right. Dumb Debates is still coming up, if that wasn't dumb enough for you. Also, a response to our conversation about bowl games, and I'm going to put a listener in his place because he's wrong. Finally. Yeah. 1620 The Zone. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.